You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 44 for Monday, the 2nd of January, 2017. And a very happy new year to you. Here are three things that you need to know about my first podcast guest of the new year. Claire Lydon is a lesbian fiction author. She's a number one bestseller on lesbian fiction charts around the globe. She has five full-length novels to her name, as well as writing the All I Want series. She's also the host of the Lesbian Book Club podcast. When I interviewed Claire, I began by asking her, when you first started getting interested in writing? I think like a lot of uh, authors, I've been writing since I was very young, but I, I've, uh, I, I wrote for a living for about... Uh, 15, 20 years. So I was um, a journalist on magazines and online. Uh, so I I worked for, um, I was a, d- a design journalist, a football journalist. I worked for Man United and Chelsea magazines. Um, I was a food critic. I uh, worked for a gaming magazines. And then I was a, ju- a music journalist online for six years, um, interviewed pop stars and, and lived my smash hits dream, which was fabulous. Um, and then I ran Vodafone Music um, editorial for uh, about two years, and so I was very music-based. And then they made me redundant, and um, so I, I thought I'd give um, sort of dig this book out that I've been working on for a while. So, so my writing is—I've always done it, and I've always got paid for it. Uh, but I've, the fiction writing was something I just did on the side, and very um, not regularly. <laughs> You know, I've been writing my uh, first book for probably about five years, it took me, uh, from start to finish. And I'd always written short stories and things, but never had anything uh, published. I've had, obviously, a lot of journalism published, but never um, fiction. Um, and then I, when I got made redundant from Vodafone Music, I decided they gave me a chunk of money, and I thought maybe I should give it a go. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how I first started off doing fiction work. Um, and I hadn't actually considered self-publishing at all, but I was going to um, send it off to some uh, uh, publishers. And for lesbian fiction, which is what I write, um, lesbian romance particularly, um, they own there are no publishers in the UK. So I uh, sent it off to a, a publisher in, in the US, and they took three months to get back to me. Um, and in that time, I found out about self-publishing. So... That's that's how I got into it. (laughs) So so did you did you always aspire to the traditional deal because you didn't know any better? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I obviously I'd heard of self-publishing, but it didn't somehow it never struck me that it was something I could do because it it just seemed very other. I read about it in in broadsheets and stuff. Um, I guess that was probably around 2010 sort of time. Um, but I didn't know anybody doing it, and I, I it, yeah, it just struck me as very other. But I went along to this um, lesbian uh, arts festival in, I think it was at the end of 2013, and I went specifically because there were three um, lesbian fiction 
authors doing a reading and a workshops there and I thought I, I could ask them you know about their start and, and what they've been doing and they were all self-published and um, they've all had bad uh, not all of them but two of the three had bad experiences of being published traditionally um, and they were all very pro self-publishing and, and really encouraged me to do it and really gave me a lot of help they were on the end of the phone um, answering my questions on end of emails so uh, a lot of kudos to them but I would never have uh, considered it had they not told me about it really <laughs> so I'm glad I went to that lesbian festival it was only a one day thing but it was very worthwhile how difficult is it to get lesbian fiction into the traditional industry are there blocks to it I think they're huge blocks yeah um I mean obviously everybody knows about the the very successful um lesbian fiction authors like Jeanette Winston and Sarah Waters um Stella Duffy and obviously as well Val McDermott um Honestly, I mean, I think I think as publishing, um, as the bigger people, the bigger authors take up more, more of the money, and it's you know, more and more difficult for new authors to get deals and in traditional publishing, and to get supported for long enough for them to find their feet and and find an audience. Um, and I think publishers only want to take a chance on what they know sells and or what what they know is popular at the moment, like you know all the girl on the train uh, copy copycat books um and you know that they do sell and go on the train was a brilliant book so uh but i think they're always um yeah i think i think they're far less happy to take a chance on anything more marginal as they see it but as i see it you know i read books about all different people from all different walks of life and all different sexualities all the time so <laughs> there's no reason that people shouldn't want to to read a book with lesbian protagonists but uh, the publishers tend not to see it that way um, so like I say for lesbian romance um, there's still no uh, full-time uh, even a small press doing that specifically whereas in the US there's probably um, there's probably about five or six big ones there's quite a few smaller ones and they're popping up all over Europe now because um, the market's growing um, and there's an there's a um, a demand for it so that's really good and I, i'd love to see one uh, prop up in the prop up in the uk but who knows it might yeah, it's really strange isn't it because all stories are just stories about people uh, you know from different backgrounds with different lives so you would think that people didn't wouldn't marginalize things like that nowadays oh no <laughs> you, you'd hope so but it's not the case um uh, yeah it's true i i, I was talking to this uh, friend of a friend of mine who's just uh, completed her first novel the other day uh, and it has a lesbian t protagonist and she's she's straight she's not a lesbian but she said um, and she was talking to me about it and saying do you think I made a mistake doing that but she said you know I know so many lesbians and I want and she said it's just writing about people and I said yes I know but you know people don't see it that way um, I know when I uh, first published mine you know all of my family who who know me very well and and like me i hope uh you know they were sort of saying uh they've they all read my book and they're all like wow it's just like reading a book <laughs> and i was like it's amazing thing isn't it <laughs> who would have ever thought yeah i know <laughs> that that said then what made you decide to write your first uh, book as as um a, a lesbian romantic fiction book why didn't you for instance go for crime you know a thriller something like girl on the train uh, I suppose because it's what I read um, is the short answer. Um, I, I mean, I do I, I do read, obviously, um, other books as well. Like I've read Girl on the Train. I loved it. Um, I do quite like, I don't mind reading them. Uh, but I think 
probably because um having said that it's what i read i didn't actually discover lesbian romance until probably about uh well, i don't know five six seven years ago so I've, i haven't been reading it for very long um and i hadn't read a load of it uh when i started writing it probably under 20 books but what i realized quite quickly was that they were all written uh, all set in america and all written by american authors um I mean, I'm assuming, yeah, they were all American authors. Uh, and so, obviously, I think the biggest market is America, as it is for a lot of books. But I just thought it'd be nice to see uh, my life reflected on the pages um, of, a, of a romance novel. And so, and the lives of everybody around me. And so I thought I'd set one in London. Obviously, not, not specifically my life. <laughs> <laughs> not about me. But I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to write it from a British perspective. Uh, and so that was the main reason um, that I decided to write one and set it in London since I've lived in London for the last 15 years so that was pretty easy to do and actually looking through some of your reviews that Brit romance factor seems to be pretty appreciated by your readers it does yeah um I think I, I sell well in the UK but equally I sell well in the US as well because I think they like reading about something other uh because you know quite a lot of lesbian romances that I read were set on ranches and all the women were cowgirls and you know it's <laughs> Uh, which is fine for a few books um but i mean no there are some great um um american books as well not set on, ra- on ranches but i think as well um since i've started writing there are a lot more uh british writers um uh, writing lesbian romance as well which is really cool and as, of course as soon as i started writing it then suddenly uh, people started pointing out that there were a lot of british writers doing it anyway but i just hadn't hadn't found them uh, probably because i wasn't that big a reader of it but um um, now I now I now I know them all and call some of them my friends. So that's really cool. Are there particular uh, tropes and conventions when you're writing a lesbian romance? Um, I think they're the same as um, for writing any romance, really. Um, the key the key one is you've got to have a happy ending. Um, I I fell foul of that one in my second novel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I say the first I think every other novel I've written um, has been a lesbian romance pure lesbian romance whereas the second one i wrote was probably just lesbian fiction uh somebody nearly died and there wasn't a hea so i think that but i didn't know the tropes at that point because i'd only been doing it for uh nine months so um now i know there's got to be a hea um so and you know the characters have to overcome uh, a load of load of obstacles there's got to be a a meet cute there's got to be a first kiss um there's there's got to be a, a stumbling block sort of in the middle um and then they've got to kind of break up and they've got to do a lot of soul, soul searching uh, and then eventually the big hurrah moment at the end um and i think as i go along i'm more and more aware of this and as i go along i've read more and more craft books uh to yeah to, to iron iron out all the kinks that might although having said that you know my first novel did hit a lot of these um, as did my my third one before I really started reading all the craft books. <laughs> so I must have been kind of aware of it anyway. Um, HEA, we should just say, is happy ever after in case oh, yeah, uh, people are listening to this. Yeah, uh, But it is important in, in, in romance fiction. Did you get a lot of um, kickback when, in your second book when you, you didn't have the happy ever after? Um, yeah, I think people were a bit confused by it. Um, uh, but I think it was... It, it was also very well received as well because uh, it's been described as a lesbian Peter's friends. So 
Um, it's about eight, eight friends who go off to a, a house for a long weekend, and it's called The Long Weekend. <laughs> mm. um, and so it followed like sort of eight, eight, eight people's journeys. Um, and I don't think like that. So having said that, there were sort of some happy endings, uh, but it wasn't a complete um, sort of love fest at the end. Yes. Yeah. I'm just trying to think back to Peter's Friend. It was a great film, but I seem to remember it had a very sad point and then it was ultimately uplifting, wasn't it? Uh, Peter's Friend, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And and that's very similar with The Long Weekend. You know, there are, there are some really low points, but there are some high points as well. And um, not everybody comes out of it well, but everyone comes out of it, which is the main thing. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm really interested. I've actually, and this is complete coincidence, talked to a lot of journalists on this podcast, and I'm a former journalist myself. And most of the journalists I talk to, like myself, say, oh, they don't have any problem doing the writing because they're so used to working to deadlines, very tight deadlines. Whereas you've said to me that your first book took five years for you to write. It was in and out the drawer. Yeah. Why, why was that? Um, I think... I think I just kind of forgot about it. I don't think it was, I think it was always there. And also I think I was, I was pretty creatively satisfied with my work. Um, I think especially like the last six years before I, before I stopped um, doing a full-time sort of office job, I, I was a music journalist. And I think my, my three loves in life are writing football and, and music. And so I, I was pretty content um, with, with my creative life and I, I ran a, a blog and I you know as I said lived my smash hit stream so maybe I didn't feel the need to go and and be creative in my spare time as much because I think that uh I think that the quite a lot of it was written sort of five years previous <laughs> mm. and then I kind of left it um and but then as soon as I got obviously it was there it was always there in the background and then as soon as I got told that I was being made redundant which was in the November and I was told I was going to be made redundant in the April um so I had six months notice and my boss was made redundant in the January and I said to her so what do I do now and she said well you can do what you want I'm not here and so I took those four months and finished my book uh, so I had it ready to go by the time I by the time I was uh, made redundant and then I wrote the next one in three months so clearly I was <laughs> just waiting for those for that time yeah, so you, so you don't, it sounds to me like you don't have any problem with the writing then? Uh, no, I could, obviously, no, I could get better. Um, I was I was interested to hear that you've done a, a speech for, about time management, right, for the uh, Indie Author Fringe. So That's right, yeah. I'm, I might have a look at that because uh, <laughs> I, I think I work well to deadlines because because of my journalism background and and when I, I set myself a deadline, I book my editor and I book my cover designer and so... I give myself word counts for those days and I, and I generally hit them. You know, I might go a day or two over, but I generally hit them. Um, I think at the moment I, I haven't set myself a deadline cause I'm giving myself a bit of a break, but I'm, I kind of probably should set myself a deadline cause I'm not, I'm, I haven't been writing very much over the last couple of weeks. So. What does a, a writing day look like for you? Do you set a word count uh, or do you just let the, see what the, the inspiration does for you? Um, yeah, like I say, if I've got a deadline, I'll, I'll set my normal workout is 3000 words. So, um, and sometimes I'll go over that. I, I normally, I, I normally hit it. Uh, and sometimes I'll, you know, do, I think my biggest writing day has been about six, but generally I, I'll write between three and four. And, and like I say, I, I think about how many words I'm going to need and then I do the maths and work backwards and then set a deadline and then book my editor. 
So um, I, I'm still struggling, I think, to find out what's the best time of day for me because uh, it used to be the mornings, but at the moment I'm suffering a bit from insomnia, so I'm writing quite a lot at night, which is fine. As long as I get the words done, I don't mind, but I'm quite tired because, <laughs> yes. uh, you know, my wife gets gets up and goes to work and then I'm kind of awake so uh but it's um but yeah I, I think I that's what I'm finding at the moment my my writing the best time of day I'm still tr- struggling to find when it is it does strike me that because you were made um redundant when you started writing in many respects you were thrown straight into the need for it to be a business rather than a hobby H- how quickly did that establish itself as an ongoing business um, I don't think I really did start taking it um, quite as seriously until, so I, when I got made redundant, that was in 2013, uh, but I didn't actually publish until 2014, So, because um, I was waiting for the traditionally published people to get back to me with their rejection, which they, they, they did on Christmas Day, which is very nice oh. of them. Um, <laughs> thanks for sending me that email. <laughs> Happy Christmas! Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it took me two months of you know fretting and oh my god oh my god uh to to uh to get it out there and then i think yeah quite soon after that um i thought that i should set up a business but it wasn't driven as much by the by my fiction writing it was more driven by i was setting up business um as a copywriter and a, a music consultant sort of drawing on my background and so i set up a a a business bank account and a, and a I, I got registered a company name got an accountant did all that but that was more with a view to doing the other side part of the business than my writing um so I didn't really focus fully on writing as my full-time business probably until about a year ago maybe a year and a bit ago um and that's when I really sat down last year and and thought what do I need to do this year to really make uh, sort of take it to the next level um and i decided that i needed to write more and publish more um and just and up my mailing list those are the three things i focused on this year and it and it seems to be working so that's good brilliant we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit deeper um in a, in a moment or two when you publish the first book um usually the first disappointment is that you you upload the book you publish it, you think you've done all the work, and then actually you find out that that's where it really begins. How did you get mm-hmm. traction and momentum with that first book? Uh, it's a mystery, That's <laughs> <laughs> the answer. <laughs> uh, no, I say that, but I did do, I did do some things, uh, um, like from my journalism background, that I'm, that I'm not sure would work today. Um, for instance, I... Uh, it was quite fortuitous in a way. I didn't think so at the time, but my wife went, um, she's from Australia and she had to go back to Australia for the week when I published. And so I was like, oh, but then actually it was really good because it meant I just worked around the clock and had no distractions at all. Um, and I, I, I wrote about a series of six interviews with myself and sent them off to key um, lesbian and gay websites. Um, and I know from being a journalist that if someone gives you good free copy, you're going to print it and um, or publish it online. And they all did. So I got some good, um, tra- I guess, good publicity from that. Um, again, I don't think that I tried that again for books two and three and it didn't work as well. So I don't think I think maybe that was just at the time. Um, and I think the other thing I did, which is the only thing I can put it down, oh, I suppose as well, I had made contacts with all these key lesbian fiction authors um two of them are really big sellers 
in in the UK, and they both promoted me when I when I launched, and I think that helped. Um, and I also got a massive family, um, and I had about a group of about fifty or sixty people um, ready to press the button when I told them to. Um, so, and weirdly, I bumped into so many different people, friends and family, and and friends of friends, and they all told me they bought the first book. Um, just to support me, which is lovely. That's lovely, isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like people that I would never have expected to do it, but they did it. So, um, yeah, nobody was more surprised than me, though, because the book hit the top five in the lesbian romance charts in the US, um, and it went to number one within 12 hours in the UK, and it hit the Australian number one, the Canadian number one, so within a week. Um and until my novel that I released this year called Nothing to Lose came out, it was still my biggest selling um, book. So uh, obviously Nothing to Lose hasn't sold quite as many as that, but at this point in its journey, it's sold more. I love your covers, the cartoon covers that you've got. They're, they're a cross, well, they're like manga. It's almost like manga cartooning. Where did you get those mm-hmm. done? Uh, my friend does them. Um, I've got a f- I'm very lucky, I guess, coming from a journalism background. I knew a lot of people that could help me uh, when I started out, so which I'm sure you do as well. So uh, my friend who I used to work with on one of the magazines is a graphic designer, and he's done all my covers. Um, and uh, I have a friend who's an editor, and she's done all my editing. Another friend who's a typesetter, he's done that. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. <laughs> That's very lucky, yeah. Um, but the um, the branding, I think, on those covers is is absolutely um, superb. Have you has that been strategic the way you've done that? Yeah, I think you're referring to the All I Want series. I right? am sorry. Um, yes, I should clarify yeah, that. Yes. Yeah. So yes, absolutely. Um, I loved the the first design that he he brought to me, which is All I Want for Christmas, um, and then went uh, and I got a lot of really positive feedback on it and then when I decided that I was going to write that as a series all through this year um a seasonal series then yeah I just said to him can we just alter the alter the alter the um design on each one but have it at, at, you know actually as the set like a woman in the right hand side and, and all the same fonts and very vibrant co- vibrant colors like you say it's very sort of striking um so, yeah, uh, we've got one more of those to go, and then that series is done. Mm, I absolutely love them. I mean, to me, they, you know, they make me want to buy them. They're just, the covers are just wonderful. So uh, congratulations on those. They're, I think, some of the striking, yeah. most striking covers I've seen. I really love them. Um, so uh, that's the covers. What about the actual writing? When you write the books, do you mm. use the software, uh, or do you write into Word? Uh, no, I, I did write into Word for the first three books, but now I use Scrivener. Um and I think I think most writers I know use Scrivener these days. Um, yeah, I, I, I plot using Scrivener, so I do all the plotting on the in, in the little chapter thing. Um, so I put, do little notes of what's going to happen in, in every chapter, and then write from there. I don't write sequentially. I write um, whatever I feel like writing that day, but I know what's in every scene and chapter, so that's okay. Um, uh, yeah, and then I use Scrivener to um, format as well. So output it in epub and maybe although I'm, I'm thinking at the moment maybe i should change that because i've heard heard some things that amazon keeps some um, you know uh, messing with the output of that so i'm not sure but it's working fine now so you'll you'll continue with that and then you've got um paperbacks as well 
Um, mm. You have somebody who does your formatting for you, I think, for the paperbacks, you said. How, 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 does, how do you work through that process? And who do you publish through uh, when you do the paperbacks? Uh, I first published through Lulu because um, I was given that advice. But uh, then I um, changed that in um, well, my third book. So now I publish with CreateSpace and I've, cha- I've uh, transferred books one and two to CreateSpace as well. And I find that works pretty well. Um, yeah, I've got my friend um, is a professional typesetter. That's his job. So that's very handy too. So um, so he does all my typesetting and I, I've had quite a lot of people comment on it that it's very professional. <laughs> mm. I said, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> 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 but I, I think, you know, I think it's important to have your books, you know, looking as good as they possibly can and looking like they're not self-published, you know, looking just like a normal book. And I hope that mine do. Mm, that is one uh, great friend to have, isn't it, with the professional typesetting? He's coming very handy, yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other things uh, that I want to ask you is that you said that um, you used to use Lulu, and I always feel a bit guilty if I'm doing talks about self-publishing and people ask me about Lulu, and I always say, well, it, it feels to me about self-publishing version one to me, Lulu. That's that's why I don't use Lulu. I'd use Ingram Spark or CreateSpace. Can you tell me what, what made you move from Lulu to CreateSpace? Because to put some flesh on the bones of that argument. Um, well, I suppose, uh, firstly, as I say, I... I was I was uh, advised to go to Lulu and I didn't have any issues with it um but I, until I had an issue and until I had an issue <laughs> mm. uh, and then when I tried to get um some support um they took about 2 weeks to get back to me and so that that didn't bode well and then I think I went to a uh, a, a conference and I was told that they're an author solutions um company and uh, then I thought oh I should I didn't know that you know so I I took them from Lulu but I think it was more as well the the support the lack of support um, and then when I looked into create space um, it was a lot cheaper so I could make more money so the, all these things added up so I went with the, them and I think as well the um, the connection with Amazon makes create space a better bet because I think uh, I think one of my books went out of print on Amazon um, which is you know should never happen um, what about the boring things like uh, ISBNs? Do you use the Create Space assigned ISBNs, or do you get your own so that you can get them into bookshops? Um, I did use the Create Space um, assigned ISBNs, but I just bought a load of ISBNs um, recently, so I've now got enough to <laughs> keep me in supply until about thirty years' time. Because so, <laughs> um, I already had, I'd already bought a pack of ten, and then they go so quickly. Um, and then I think, you know, a 10 was £100 or, or 100 was 200 and something pounds. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll just buy it. But, so I've now got enough ISBNs forever, I hope. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so uh, but I don't think it was specifically to get into bookshops. I did try and get into bookshops when I first published. Um, I, I took my books to uh, Stoke Newington Bookshop, which is uh, a bookshop in a sort of very um, gay area of London uh, and one that I used to live in and it has a high lesbian population and so I thought um, but they didn't sell in there um, and they didn't sell in a couple of others but I am in um, Gaze the Word bookshop which is the bookshop that was in Pride the movie if you've seen that Um, it's the only uh, gay bookshop left in London oh fantastic Uh, and I have a a really good relationship with the people in there and and the books sell um, quite well in there so that's really good Um, and I've I've got some Somebody contacted me on Twitter, um, a woman that runs a, a women's bookshop up in Scotland. So she just took 
an order of about 25 books and we'll see how they go up there but I mean I don't stress about getting into bookshops really anymore because I don't think it's worth it um, I think the online sales is where it's at absolutely and it's very hard to price the a point where you can actually make any amount of profit isn't it I find yeah I mean I think it, they don't make I guess they probably make about one pound fifty a book or something so it's not it's not you know <laughs> you're not yeah. gonna get rich <laughs> no and and a lot of effort to well I mean, obviously you've got a friend who could do the typesetting but there's a quite a lot of effort that goes into producing a paperback I'm, I'm even thinking of not doing them in future you know until I got significant sales on a on an ebook I'm thinking of not even bothering with paperbacks in future that's where I've come to with them yeah I, mean, I think that um I think it's nice to have and I think that um actually my create space after Amazon create space is um, I guess they all sell through Amazon but um, the create space revenues have really ticked up. Um, so, you know, I, I do sell, I, you know, compared to ebooks, it's not a huge amount, but I do sell enough, I think, to warrant it. Um, I haven't, this year I've produced um, four novellas, and I don't do those as print books separately. I do them as, as the box set, um, and I get a lot of emails saying, can I buy it in print? And I say, no, not yet. Yes. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the thing. You're always going to get the inquiries about print, I guess, aren't you? And and it, it's interesting. You know, I I do. Um, I've just done a free booksy promo, for instance, and I always notice that even though free booksy is is a digital uh, promo, um, I always see my create space sales go up when when I do that. So clearly, some people still want to read in print, which is yeah, fair yeah. enough. And and also, you want the thrill of actually holding your book too. You, you can never forget that bit. Yeah, that's always nice. And, you know, um, my family would never read uh, any. They don't really read e-books. So <laughs> they were like, when can I get the print book? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've, um, you, you are very entrepreneurial, I think, because you, you've also got um, the Lesbian Book Club podcast. So you, you're, you're, you've broadened what you do as an author to, to expand, presumably, your audience and bring out, you know, to build a better audience. Can you tell me about the, the podcast and why you decided to start that? Yeah, um, I think um, probably a bit like you, um, I'm quite used to interviewing people and and I quite enjoy it. Um, and I thought it would be a good way uh, to sort of meet other authors um, and learn from them as well. And also to get my, my name out there a bit more. Um, and I guess the reason, um, the, the main reason actually, I just remembered this, that I, that I decided to start it was um, the Denise at the Lesbian Lounge because so it's a po the, my podcast is called the Lesbian Book Club podcast, uh, but it's hosted by the Lesbian Lounge, which is a lesbian um, sort of uh, platform that's been out there for about eight years. And I met the woman um, who runs it at uh, a Lesbian Awards, and I asked her if she would be up for interviewing me, and she said that she didn't feel like she knew enough about um, lesbian fiction but she'd love to find someone who did and would be interested and so uh, that's how I got to do it um, I think maybe I would have come to it anyway but I think maybe the technicalities would have put me off a bit doing it myself so it, it works well to do it on her platform which already had a an audience um, and it seems to be pretty well received um, and I think she's happy for someone else to put some content on as well so it all works out and I found podcasting absolutely superb for uh, networking and making connections with with other authors and people in the industry. Do you do you find it as beneficial as, as I have for my career? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, it, it's really really good for meeting other authors. Um, and you know, they they will then 
promote all the different podcasts that I do on all their channels as well. But yeah, I mean, some of the people um, that I've interviewed are now my friends. And, and, you know, even if they live in different countries, we've we've got a relationship now, which is, yeah, so it's really good for that. Um, but like I say, it's also just really good for getting your name out there. Um, and I've learned a lot. So, yeah. Do you go wide with your books? I know they're available on Amazon, but do you put them on the other outlets as well? I do. Um, I I have tried KDP, or KU as it is now. Um, I did it with book two, uh, and I didn't, that was in its first incarnation, um, and I wasn't that enamoured with it. I don't know. I like a, I like a book sale. I'm very old-fashioned <laughs> like that. Um, and I don't know about pages read. I have got a box set in there at the moment, uh, but that's probably going to come out in a few days. That, that's done okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I quite like having, I quite like the f- thought of going wide. I did read a blog recently where somebody said you're not really independent if you're just on one platform, mm. <laughs> which I was like, yeah, that make, that's a point. And I do waver because, you know, obviously Amazon um, is, it, it makes up the majority of most independent authors' um, paychecks. And so it's tempting to do it. And I know a lot of people I know have done it and have increased their sales by doing it. Um, but I see my reach building on all the other platforms. And so I'd be a bit low to take it out of there. Um, you know, I've been I've been doing a few things to try and um, increase um, my reach on the other platforms as well. So to pull it out now would be a bit short-sighted, I think. Um, I'm, I'm trying to have long-term thinking. And when you um, list on the other platforms, do you list directly or, or are you using an aggregator like Draft Digital or Smashwords? Uh, both. So I, I go direct to Kobo because I can. Um, and I go direct to Google Play uh, because I got in there before they shut the doors. Mm, me too, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and their customer service is really good, actually, I've found, because I had trouble um, uploading my last few books, but um, got talked through it there and then. So that was really good. Um, but Apple, I can't because I'm not. I haven't got anything Apple, so I can't do it. So I use. Um, I did use Smashwords, but the last four books I've done, I've done on Draft Digital, and I think I will migrate over there just because um, it's easier to upload your books. It's a better experience, and you get paid monthly, which is a better experience. So. Oh, I didn't realise. So, do Smashwords not pay monthly? No, they pay quarterly, oh. um, and. And um, I've only just <laughs> let's let's have a little hooray because I've just got paid by Smashwords today hey. after after about uh, two years because <laughs> purely because I delayed my payment because I hadn't sorted my tax out and every time I sent the form in they kept sending it back and saying it was filled in wrong so I eventually did it right um, and uh, yeah so it's a bit of a celebration today yeah. but yeah but that that they pay you every quarter it seems a bit old fashioned so. Yes, I, I've never listed on Smashwords. I took a look at Draft of Digital and, and, and Smashwords. It's all Smashwords looks just a little bit old-fashioned to me. Um, even though the guy who runs it is amazing, if you've ever heard him interviewed. You know, he sound, mm-hmm. he's, he's really switched on and, and, and passionate about it all. But Draft of Digital just feel a bit more innovative to me. They feel like they're at the cutting edge a little more. So I, I, I voted with my feet and went to Draft of Digital, much like you by the sounds of things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an easier better interface um but also with smashwords you actually have to send them fill it in and send it in by post oh no (laughs) no (laughs) which just seems weird doesn't it yeah and they do have an ftp which because i think i I then got into dealing with this guy who was very helpful i have to say at smashwords and eventually he just said to me look here's the ftp just upload it here and and i you know that's what they need to do just do that but it's very clunky and i think it will put a lot of people off 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, anything to do with you know manual, I think these days can't really be yeah. excused. Um, no, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, now you are very, um, well, you're all over the place on social media, which is great. You have a lovely. Let's go to your blog first. You have a lovely blog. Do do you do that yourself, or do you have to pay someone to do that? Because it's very. There's all sorts of stuff on it. It's updated. It's got all your podcast episodes on there. It's great. It's loads to look at. Uh, no, I do it all myself. So that's probably why I don't do as much writing as I should. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to uh, get back on the blogging game uh, sort of, of late because uh, I quite enjoy doing that. Um, but, yeah, no, I do it all myself. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm a, uh, friends of mine, again, I quite was quite lucky. Some friends of mine set that all up for me. They run a web uh, building and design uh, company themselves. So I've got very, very... Uh, sort of good friends very handy yeah it's very nice is it is it wordpress or is it something else it is wordpress yeah 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 that's a good i always like to know these things just a little geeky question there uh it looks like wordpress yeah it's very nice the slider there with the books in it's uh it's great there's just loads to look at so it's w- well worth a visit at the website and um, you're also very active you've got lots of reviews on uh goodreads so how have you pulled that one off then um oh i've no idea uh <laughs> it's just organic uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't really done a lot on Goodreads. Um, again, it's a, one of those on the list. Must must do more on Goodreads. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of um, a lot of my readers who read on on Amazon or, or the other sites, uh, I, I tend to get a lot of reviews. Um, the same ones transfer, so they put them on there as well. Um, I know a lot of my early reading team do because um, they know the importance. I think I think they're well, well schooled in in the importance of reviews to authors so that's really nice but no i haven't really done a lot on goodreads um I've, i did i have, i am doing a competition so i've just started doing competitions on there um and that got quite um i did my first one about three months ago for my uh, book nothing to lose and that got a load of um entries so it's just a shame i don't get all the emails to put on the main list but <laughs> yes. maybe um that that would be great yeah, because yeah, I mean, I love Goodreads giveaways because you can get rid of. I've had as, as many as a thousand on, I think, on 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 some of them, and you just think, yeah. oh, if I could only get those names and email addresses. But the I know. <laughs> uh, they can at least mark the book to read, can't they, in their account? So I, I guess you get some advantage from it. Yeah, exactly, and I think I heard that on a podcast I listened to that um, quite a lot, over fifty percent or something, market is to read, and I thought, well, it's worth doing, isn't it? And it's, I think it's worth doing anyway because. Um, it doesn't really cost you very much to put a book up there and send it to someone. And the big trick, I always re- reiterate this um, on uh, Goodreads giveaways, is take care if you're giving away to the States because the postage is so high. Did you did you get caught with that one? Did you go to the States when you did it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've given away a few on different sites, and they always seem to be in America or Australia. I don't <laughs> know why. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, But, again, you know, I mean, I think it's worth it. Uh, for the publicity you get, I don't mind paying the postage to America australia you mentioned your early reading team and this is just something i've i've just finally got around to can you tell me how how you built that and how you manage it uh yeah i i just started doing a main list i I was quite late to do the main list i only started that um after my third book so uh so i missed out on a few people there but never mind don't look back (laughs) um and i when I started building the mailing list, then when I got to a certain stage, um, I sent an email to people just saying, would you like to be a part of the reading team? Um, I, think I, I think I naturally picked about the first 10 because they were the people that contacted me the most. Um, 
and then I did it again um, just before, I think just before Christmas. So I haven't got a huge early reading team. Um, I think I've got about 30. So it's not huge, but um, but but it's good because they get the book. Um, they read it. They give me feedback. They pick up any little bits that my editor might have missed or I might have missed. Um, and they all do reviews. They're all pretty good at doing reviews, which is unusual, I think. <laughs> mm, but that's so, so valuable, um, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's really, really good. And I really appreciate them all. Um, and I think they're all really excited to get an early early book so it works well. Um, and I think as I get more readers, I'll, I'll build that up a little bit more. Um, yeah, it, and it's really nice to just get the early reviews. It really helps out. I, interestingly, I, I sent mine out the other day, and some, I, I got mine on a form because, you know, if you, if you just get, like, loads of emails with too much stuff on, it's, like, overwhelming. So I put mine onto a Google form, and somebody sent me their first email, and they were literally just going through it bit by bit, even going down to the names and things like that. And I said, whoa, 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 uh, you know, that, that, that horse has bolted already you know that's um, we ain't talking about stuff like that we're looking for spellings no. you know plot errors yeah. <laughs> things like that do, do you give guidance to your team um i i think i i just say to them because i always send it to them at, at the moment where i'm just going to send it to my for a final proof so i always say the pre the, there will be mistakes the proof will probably pick them up but just let me know if you spot anything um and i haven't i've only had it once where someone came back and said oh my god no there's like I don't like the way this character's reacted, um, but ev- then I then I panicked a bit. But then everybody else said it was fine, and and it was fine, and um, yeah. So I think, um, and and since then that reader said, oh, I think it was just me on the, at the time. So. Yes, you got you got to pick through the weeds a bit, I think, haven't you? When you get feedback and, and just look for the broad stuff, because absolutely, you know, yeah. you could get overwhelmed, couldn't you? If people, if you just did everything, it would be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah that's one thing i've learned don't don't listen to everybody but if there's a broad opinion of one thing listen to it yeah what are you working on at the moment then what's what's the current plan so i've got two series running at the moment um the all i want series um that's had five books so one full length novel and four novellas and it's uh, the last one is all i want forever and that's going to be coming out um, well, I'm not sure, probably after Christmas, unless I get a wriggle on. Um, and then also the last book in my London series, uh, As Yet Unnamed, because I'm really bad at titles for the London series for some reason. <laughs> and the All I Want series was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to use that technique again, won't you? It's I know, great. yeah. <laughs> I'm really bad at titles, so I should, yeah, get get that going. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'm working on third book in the London series and the last book in All I Want, and then that's my two series complete, then I have to start a new one. Oh, and then are you going to stay in, in lesbian romance as well? Will you, will you, might you broaden your horizons with your writing or are you going to stay in that niche? I, I think I will eventually, but I think for the next year I've got my, I've got the year planned. I've got 2017 planned. So, um, and it's probably going to be standalone books because I do find as well that everyone says write in a series. Um, and I, I think it does, it does make sense because books do sell each other. But having said that, my, my standalone novel, nothing to lose which i released in june has been my best-selling one yet so and i'm not planning there's no follow-up to that it's a standalone um so i think there's a place for standalones as well so i think i'll be doing a couple of those in 2017 but after that um i think i will uh, do something else as to what that would be exactly i'm not sure um as i said to you i went to a crime writing festival uh, uh last weekend and that was just a friend of mine had a spare ticket and gave it to me. And it was interesting going along to that. Um, I've never thought about writing crime, but never say never, because I think 
um, it'll be good to change things up and write something different. And um, I also noticed that you'd been now I'm probably going to pronounce this incorrectly. Is it Triskella, Triskel, Triskella Litfest? Yeah, Triskel, yeah. Triskella Litfest. Uh, you were there and mm -hmm. um, I, I saw that you were kind of selling your books there, like from a stall. Um, and yeah. I, I always like to mention the way people get their books out and find new readers, because sometimes it doesn't have to be electronic, does it? You just have to roll up and sell them sometimes. Mm -hmm. How did that yeah, go? No. Um, absolutely. I don't think that was, that wasn't the best selling book day. I've got to admit. Um, it was, it's again, I think I've done a, I've done a few of these book fairs and, um, it's, it's always quite thrilling to get your books, um, on a stand and, you know, buy those little perspex book stands and put them on it. That's always quite exciting. Um, good photo opportunities <laughs> <laughs> and really good to meet other authors. Um, but you don't sell that many books, uh, and so I don't think if from a business perspective, it's probably not the best way, not the best um, use of your time. But if I quite enjoy getting out and about and meeting other authors and just meeting readers as well. So, um, you know, you get a few signups for your mailing list, you sell a handful of books, um, a fun day out. So but if, if from a purely business perspective, it's not the best thing. probably. What's it like as a festival as well? Is it uh, because you have talkers there as well, I think? Yeah, they had quite a good um, selection of uh, speakers this year. So, um, unfortunately, I, I only got to go to one panel. I went to the romance panel, but um, that's the thing with working a stall. <laughs> you need someone else to sit in for you. So um, so I was on the stall most of the time. But they they got quite a few people in, and they had a, a, a wide range of uh, people on panels as well. Fantastic. Well, I, I just need to uh, conclude, if I may, by asking you where are the best places to go to find out more about you online you must plug the blog of course as well yeah um, my website is the best place so uh, that's www.clairelyden.co.uk um, .com will work as well because I got that one too um, or you can find me on twitter which is claire.lyden um, facebook at, at claireleyden and instagram at clairefic um, I think I'm probably most active on Twitter, maybe, and a bit of Facebook as well. I put up amusing throwback Thursdays pictures of me. If you want to see a picture of me in a bikini when I was 11 um, with my thumbs up, uh, that's the place to go. I've seen it, and it was very cute too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those throwback Thursdays. They're brilliant. I know, yeah. <laughs> I went up into my loft and got down a big box of photos and scanned them all in. So, yeah, it made me laugh. And there's more to come then, are there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a series, so there's probably about 10 more. I'll space them out. Fantastic. It's worth following just for that, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, thanks ever so much for speaking to me today. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks so much for having me on, Paul. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week. <laughs>